Hi, everyone, and welcome to Cooking with Positivity. I am your host, Zakia McCoy, and here we like to focus on how positivity leads to success, whether that be in life, love, business, or whatever your case may be. I'm excited to announce that I've started a new segment, and it's only available on YouTube, and it's called 3 to 5 Fetch Meals, and I'll be taking uh, trips to the grocery store and providing you with shopping lists, and it's featuring a great app that I was put onto called Fetch. And rewards, you get rewards by going grocery shopping and you can use your reward points to get Amazon gift cards and your favorite fast food gift cards, whatever the case may be. And it's very exciting. So I want you guys to go check that out. And we are continuing our Men's Entrepreneur Month. And I'm so excited. We have uh, Dave Anderson here. So I'm going to go ahead and read our positivity poem for the month. So I can go ahead and get him introduced and start our interview. Positivity leads to strength. When you are strong, you have might. Might gives you determination. Determination gives you the unwitting nerve to succeed. Positive drive motivation. A delicious recipe to succeed in every aspect in life. Now, Dave Anderson a.k.a. The Business Bully Wears Many Hats. Best-selling author, business coach, vlogger, husband, father, motivational speaker, radio personality. The list goes on and on. But two major hats that ring bells are owner, entrepreneur, with a father who owned his own corner store and a mother who taught and owned and operated a salon. You could say entrepreneurship and a great work ethic was in his DNA. Hi, Dave. Hi, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Absolutely excellent. Well, thank you for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Forgive me, I have my baby with me. I'm being a daddy right now. So that's if you fine. hear any funny noises, that's what that is. That's fine. My kids are in school right now, so I'm getting a reprieve. <laughs> I'm able to. I'm here to tell you, we don't. We we really don't pay teachers enough. I feel like, you know, we we should start like giving them bonuses just because, like, you got to put up with my brat for eight hours a day. You <laughs> earn this. I definitely understand that, and I have two, so. Me too. One's grown. One thinks she's grown. Isn't that how it goes? <laughs> it's always oh. how it goes. All right. Now, when did you decide to start working for you? Um, I would say, <laughs> I don't know. There's, there's so many different times, and depending on how I feel like telling the story, they're all true. Um, <laughs> but it's just, you know, like you have those moments where you just like, you know, forgive my language, but fuck it. <laughs> and I had lost so many jobs, you know, just because um, either the it was the economy or somebody sold my contract when I was in radio or the station flipped format or they wanted to, quote unquote, go in a new direction, a.k.a. dumber and cheaper. Okay. You know, um, no one is going to love you like you. Um, everybody doesn't understand that in america you could go work for a company and then you can give them all these great ideas they take those ideas and make hundreds of millions of dollars and then they give you an amazon gift card for 50 bucks you know and yeah. you you put in all that all that time energy and effort and for some people you know that's great for them that that's a fun that's a wonderful and phenomenal trade-off but to live the life that i wanted to live i couldn't do that working for somebody else i couldn't do that you know spinning other people's records i couldn't do that um, breaking it down. So my final, my real, real final straw came in December of 2011. Um, and that's when I, you know, I parted ways with iHeart and I never looked back. You know, I decided I was going to do whatever I was going to do in order to make it work while I was building my business. And that's what I did. That is amazing. Now, how has positivity affected your life or affected your success? like positivity is so extremely important and it's, it's an underrated weapon. 
Yes, you know, I have a thing about people. Don't don't go talking negative around me. Don't tell me about the possibilities of all the bad things that could happen because yes. you're going to speak that nonsense into existence. You speak that over your damn life. Don't speak it over mine. Exactly. You know, the reason that I've been able to get so far so fast is because I don't know that I'm supposed to. You know, like I I, I don't know that I don't belong here. I don't know that I'm 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 not smart enough to do this. I don't know that I am supposed to have certain limits on me. You know, I, I operate as if that that's just what it is and that's just how it's going to be. And either you're going to get with the program or you're going to be absorbed by the program. But either way, you know, I'm going to get to wherever I got to get to. And that's not to say that I'm invincible because there are times I'll tell you, now, I'm already standing right here. I, I've been, you know, crying, you know, crying in a puddle of my own tears, trying to figure things out and trying to figure out why things haven't been easy for me or why I haven't gotten to the level of achievement that I feel is phenomenal and to be honest with you it's a trick it, it, it's, it's, it's a real big trick it's like people say you know when I make a hundred grand right then I'll be good I can you know I can take care of my family this that and third and then and then when you make a hundred grand um you realize that you can be making 200 grand. And when you take make 200 grand, you realize you're making five, you make a five, you realize you can be making a mil. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's always another level. It's like life and, and business is an end, a never-ending Super Mario game. You, you know? And it's like you yeah. get to that last <laughs> level and you think you done beat Koopa and save the princess and the girl looked just like the princess. She dressed like the princess. And she say, I'm sorry, Mario, but, but you know, the princess is in another castle. And you're like, oh, damn. I gotta do all. I gotta do this all over again. No memory cards. No nothing else. Like I love that analogy. You know, that's, it, that's... it's it's crazy because when I was a kid, my brother bought us a Nintendo in 1987, and I remember playing Super Mario. There were no memory cards. You know, all you had was the pause button, and hopefully, you know, nobody jumped real hard because it was a cartridge. It wasn't a CD. It wasn't a some digital download. There was no internet. And so if you made it to a certain level and you know good and hell well you had to go to school, you just prayed that if you just turned the TV off and mom didn't come in the room cleaning, that you could pick up right where you left off. And sometimes, well, guess what? Mom came in and saw that red light on that Nintendo. You had to start the whole thing over again. All that progress, all that work, you know, that's, that, that's what it is. And so your only default to get to success assuredly is to be positive about what you're doing. Don't be realistic. Because there's nothing realistic about two poor kids from Kitty Hawk, uh, North Carolina, you know, putting together a thing that looks like a, a straw bird and flying. There's nothing realistic about, mm-hmm. uh, you know, an unwed teenage mother be- becoming Oprah. There's so many other things that we don't like to talk about that are not realistic. But then we're like, oh, that's Oprah. That can't happen to everybody. You know, it can't happen to everybody because most people aren't positive. Most people aren't specific about their goals. And most people are not willing to do the work. See, everybody wants to win, but nobody wants to practice. Exactly. Nobody wants to grind, but everybody wants to stun on the gram. <laughs> now, you know? most people don't see it as Oprah was regular people before she was Oprah. Yeah. She had to have some kind of positive force behind her in order to become Oprah. Right. And she had to have a lot of people who talk, you know, who talked to her. When I moved to Tennessee, um, I wound up, you know, after losing one gig, working for another man named John Heidelberg. And John Heidelberg bought me and he said, you know what I like about you, kid? I said, no, sir. This was a black man who owned three restaurants in Nashville, Tennessee. Very white Nashville, Tennessee. This is a black man. Owns three restaurants in his own radio station. He said, you know what I like about you, young man? I said, no. He said, um, you, you remind me of Oprah. I said, you know Oprah? He said, I gave Oprah her first job. Wow. And I was like, really? Like, I thought that was the greatest thing anybody could have ever said to me at that time. You know, and he said, you don't, he's like, you're too dumb to realize how smart you are. And while that may sound like a backhanded compliment, what he meant was that I know what I know, but I'm not, you know, covered in it. You know, I'm, I'm pliable enough to move. I'm pliable enough to shift. I don't sit there like the rest of my coworkers who had gotten fired were like, you know, working at Kroger and doing, I wasn't going to do that. No, no diss to Kroger. But that's not what I was going to do. I was like, hey, there's got to be another radio station around here somewhere that'll take me. I'm talented. They can't see it. Somebody else will. You know, and then when I realized that once you get to a place where you no longer want to play anybody else's game because your game and what you have coming up and what God put in your heart 
you know, can't be limited by somebody else's expectations, um, financial reports, you know, um, expectations, quarterly goals, then, then you realize that you got to be free, you know, and you got to make that move. And so you'll either be miserable for the rest of your life being the cog in somebody else's wheel, or you're going to jump off and, and, and become a transformer. Those are your two, those are your two options. Now, what would you tell a person who wants to leave their job and become an entrepreneur today? Ah, it, it depends on the person. You know, like I would, I would need to be able to talk to that person. But just generally speaking, generally speaking, what I would say to them is this: If you feel like you can make it right now, if you've got enough savings, if you've got good enough credit, if you've got a solid plan that has been vetted and, and thought about thoroughly, if you've already been working in your business and you're turning a profit on the side and you just need to get rid of this job in order to uh, maximize your, your potential, then do it. But there has to be a transition period. There has to be a period where you're understanding that you've been conditioned all of your life to stand in a line to go someplace, work eight hours, come home, and live for two days out of a seven-day week. You also have to understand that you've been conditioned that your time is an exchange for money, and time for money is a bad equation. Because I actually I don't... heard that live the other day. I'm sorry, say again? I actually listened to that on your live the other day. Yeah, time for money is a bad equation, but that's what everybody does. That's why you have so many people out here talking about, oh, we want $15 an hour, and they'll still be poor. When I was a kid, minimum wage was three fifteen. I'm only forty. That's not that long ago. Minimum wage was three fifteen an hour or three fifty an hour, something like that. And you know what wound up happening is every time they raised the minimum wage, the price of bread went up, the price of gas went up, the price of milk went up. My mother used to tell me stories that she can go to McDonald's and get burgers, fries, and shakes for the whole family and still have change left over from five bucks. You know, yeah. and that's unfathomable. My mom said she could get a baby Ruth the size of a king size, and it was a nickel. Like, so what changed? See, society does not want you to have upward mobility. The 1% is not in the business of making more one percenters. They're in the business of keeping the 99% down. And the 99% are plied with, with drugs, alcohol, reality television, sports, um, you know, all this other distracted stuff that keeps you from being a, a, an achievement. Or my personal favorite, everybody got all these smartphones but can't tell you their own mother's phone number all by heart. Oh, I know my mama's phone number. I know, but most that's people can't. Person, that's <laughs> one person I have to know her phone number. Okay. You gotta anything. call mama. Something happened. You get locked up. You better call mama. <laughs> that's the one thing I learned. The first thing I learned as a kid. Mm-hmm. Whatever my mama never was at the time. Know about her. I knew how to get in contact with her, even if I didn't have a piece of paper, a phone, or anything. Right. But the more we become dependent upon technology, the less we become dependent on our own creativity and imagination. Instead of using yeah. technology as a tool, it becomes an albatross around our necks. And so, you know, I would advise people if they're going to make that move to get into some coaching, you know, find somebody. I don't care if it's me or not. I don't care if it's me or not. I just want you to find somebody who has been where you're trying to go so that you can get there faster. And you have to be prepared to invest in yourself. If you're not prepared to invest in yourself, then you're not prepared to run a business. Business is not glamorous. You know, Shark Tank and The Profit and all these other shows make you think, all these other shows make you think that it's a situation where you know, it's easy and it's glamorous and it's fun and you, you're going to the tarmac and you're hopping on a private flight and you're going from place to place. But you don't have any idea how much that jet fuel costs. You have no idea how much somebody had to go through to get there. You don't understand the ins and outs of what that looks like and what it takes. And so you're, you're given, uh, you're given a, a glimpse of what entrepreneurship is if you're good. You know, but, you know, no one's around when it's feast or famine. No one talks about busy seasons and dry seasons. Nobody talks about profit and loss sheets. Nobody talks about um, bookkeeping. Nobody talks about making sure you have a, a stash of money to, to pay off the IRS. Nobody talks about investing in, in, into an accountant. 
you know, you got morons out here talking about buying Nike stock, not realizing that unless you've got um, a good, I don't know, twenty seven. Uh, twenty-seven, thirty, thirty-two thousand dollars to put down on Nike stock, which is trading at about eighty dollars and ninety cents. You're not going to see a good return on investment because eight percent of that ain't going to get you nowhere. So if you bought one stock, you know, at eighty dollars and ninety cents, you're only going to make uh, you're only going to make about six, you know, six or seven bucks. My math, my, I don't have my calculator in front of me, but it's not going to be a much of a return. If you bought a hundred shares, you're only going to make like twenty-seven bucks. So great, you bought enough to to justify the cost of a pizza. Yeah, that doesn't. Doesn't quite equate for the stocks that everybody else is thinking. Yeah, you know. So I would tell people to move smartly, uh, and if you want to go, if you want to go far, you know, get a coach. If if you if you want to, you know, bump your head a bunch of times, try doing it on your own. Not saying that you can't make it. I'm just saying the odds are greatly increased when you have somebody who's been where you're going. That's why when you go to other countries, you normally get yourself a tour guide. If you go on safari, you get somebody who knows the, the terrain. If you go to Australia, you usually, if you're going on a, on a hunt or outbacking, you're going to go with one of the aboriginals. Yes. You see and what I'm saying? Most yeah, most people don't want to do that because they feel like if they do that, the person who's coaching them, they feel like they're not going to give them all the information. A lot of people don't like to share information, and a lot of people feel like people won't share the information. Well, here's a here's the thing, right? Listen to what you said. A lot of people feel like the coaches won't share the information. That's a feeling. That has nothing to do with fact. Fact is, I give away more information for free than I do when people pay me thousands of dollars. Do you know why I do it? Because why? most people, when I give them the information for free, they will not act on it. They will. Wow. Because they won't believe it. They'll think that I'm leaving something out. When I was a kid, I used to be obsessed with the show called MacGyver. And MacGyver was this really smart guy who worked for the government. And he'd go into places and he could take a paper clip and some uh, manure and make a bomb. And I asked my dad. My dad worked for the government and law enforcement. I said, Dad, can you really take a paper clip and some fertilizer and, and, and make a bomb? He said, almost. You need to add a couple more things, which I won't tell you because you're going to go looking for them. You know, and I don't need, I don't need my, my, my 10 year old son making a bomb. But, yeah, they take things out so that people won't mess it up at home. And that's what people think coaches do. And most coaches don't do that. The problem is there's a lot of people out here calling themselves coaches who haven't who haven't built a business. I've built million dollar businesses before. You know, I, I've helped businesses go from zero to six figures a month. You know, so the difference is not in what the coach will give you, but A, who the coach is, and B, if they've got receipts. And a lot of these folks don't don't have any receipts, but they've got a nice little website and a cute little funnel, and then you go falling for that, and then once that doesn't work, then you want to call me telling me about how, oh, you know, I've been hurt before because such and such burned me. No, you burned yourself because you didn't do the research. Or you expected a coach to snap their finger, say your wish is my command, and then you're going to win six NBA titles just because the coach showed up. No, Michael Jordan didn't win those six NBA titles just because of Phil Jackson. He won because Phil Jackson told him what to do, and then Michael went above and beyond that. Michael was practicing before the game and after the game. Michael was working seven days a week in order to get those six rings, which is why, you know, when you talk about on-court stuff, Jordan and LeBron is no contest, you know? Mm-hmm. That's another conversation. Amen. But you get my point. Six rings is the only conversation I need to have. (laughs) Oh, man. Now, what song keeps you positive when you're having a bad day? Get out your head and you have too much negative energy around you. What song is your go to song? I've got a few, actually. It depends. Like when I'm when I'm feeling really sad or I'm feeling unmotivated, I put on um, that classical song from Little John and the Eastside Boys called uh, Bia Bia. All right. Now, the reason is because sometimes you got to listen to what, what, what they're saying. Get them up. Put them up. Stop acting like a bitch and get your hands up. Meaning you have to start moving. Nothing's going to come to you. You got to get up. If you're feeling it, represent who you are. Where are you from? Where do you come from? What does that mean to you? How do you express that? It's not just somebody yelling, yeah, yeah. And then they go on to say, you scared, you scared. Stop acting like a bitch, you scared. Any entrepreneur who tells you that they're not scared is lying. I'm scared every (laughs) single day. Every single day. I just don't let the fear paralyze me. 
it may kick my ass a couple days. I ain't gonna lie. But yeah. overall, I beat fear a lot more than fear beats me. So that's important. My my, my uh my other go to song is by Living Color. It's called Cult of Personality. And that's what I put on right before I'm getting ready to hit a stage where I'm gonna go speak to uh business owners or young people or colleges and universities, small groups, anything like that. You know, I put that song on because well, A, it's a black rock band, and B, I know what I do, and I know that I, it's the song is all about the, the 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 idea of influence and what influencers mean. And the song was written twenty years before, you know, there was a Kardashian influential group. There was no social media when the song was coming up, so it was the ability of of moving people. Joseph Stalin, Gandhi, Kennedy, Mussolini. You know, people who drove people to do great things. And what they're saying is, look in my eyes. What do you see? I am the cult of personality. I am the person that can make you believe that you're capable of doing things previously thought impossible. That's what I need to do if I'm going to be facing people who are stuck in their own doubts and negative self-talk. You know, so those two are... um, are really big. You know, sometimes I, um, you know, let me see. I, I got a whole list. Um, I got another one for you that's really good. I love it to death. I got I to gotta pull it up. And it is, where's my playlist? Because, um, of course, when I'm looking for it, I can't find it. Ah, here it is. All right. All right. It is, um, you know, um, I the Tiger. Okay. I love Eye of the Tiger because Mr. T is my hero. Like, I, I, I love Mr. T. You know, and if you remember Rocky Three, you know, Mr. T beat the hell out of Rocky Balboa. You know? <laughs> I re- and he had to go to Apollo. And Apollo did what? Apollo took Rocky Balboa to the hood. And they went to this dark, dingy gentleman. And he said, you see all these boys up in here? They had what you used to have. They got the Eye of the Tiger. They're hungry. You know what I'm saying? It's the Eye of the Tiger. It's the thrill of the fight, rising up to the challenge of our rivals. And the last known survivor stalks his prey in the night, and he's watching us all with the eye of the tiger. Meaning when it's all said and done, I'm the dude. I'm the last known survivor. I'm going to be stalking my prey in the night. And I'm watching everything that you do when I see you coming. And I don't give a damn if I'm 40 or 440. You come this way. You're going to get this work. Because you got something that I need. And I'm always going to be the champion. You know, and, and you, you need that. You need that. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. I'm trying to tell you. Now, what are you working on right now? Wow. <laughs> uh, I, have, I, have, I have a coaching program that is, uh, that is invite only. Um, that we're, we're, we're really building out. It's called the Bully Gang Inner Circle. And what we do is we help um, entrepreneurs, coaches, speakers, authors um, double their revenue and grow their influence using social media and traditional media and help them double their revenue in 60 days. You know, so uh-huh. it's, it's, it's serious. It's invite only. It's a serious investment. Um, you can apply by going to bit.ly forward slash bully call and you'll get on the phone with either me or a member of my team. So that's bit.ly forward slash bully call. You can do that. Also, one thing that I noticed, especially when you're dealing with um, uh, businesses that look like me, Black-owned businesses, one thing that I found when I was out in the Silicon Valley, I was out in San Jose, and there were two things that were interesting to me. The first was when I went to the movies, they catered really hard to an Indian audience because there's so many Indian Americans that are there, you know, running roughshod over the Silicon Valley. And I was like, wow. They really respect their dollar out here. You know, the second thing that I noticed was that there were so many people in tech and most of them did not look like me. And the ones that I saw were black women. And I realized that a lot of businesses are failing um, because they don't have the tools or have access to the tools um, in order to grow their business. Last year, I spent close to $10,000 on cloud-based software, um, growth tools, growth hacking, things that I, I knew we're going to help me. And then I said, you know what the hell with this? I'm going to start developing. So I went out, got with the team of developers, and that's what I did. And we created something called Viral Bully. And so every month, it's like a, um, like a software of the month club. 
And so every month for one low fee, as opposed to being a dummy like me and, and investing 10000 that I got back from the government because of write-offs, um, instead of doing all that, you pay a small fee every month and you're able to lease really great softwares that are going to allow you to have that competitive edge over your, over your competition that's going to allow you to run your business a lot more efficiently. And so you can go now. There's still a few spots open for people who want to uh, invest in themselves. It's, it's a really low, low, low cost investment. And you go to viralbully.com. If you go to viralbully.com, just like it sounds, V-I-R-A-L-B-U-L-L-Y, viralbully.com, you can, uh, you can sign up. And then you can start getting some software that's going to help you run your business, grow your, uh, grow your email list, help you improve your website, and basically your, your, your online and business life. So those are the things that I'm working on. Um, I also have a book getting ready to come out called Sell It Like Jesus. You know, I've been working on it for two and a half years, and so I'm really excited to be able to release it this year. Right. You know, so that's it. I'm looking forward to the book. I'm looking forward to everything, but the book is more must read. I've read uh, Change My Life. Oh, God bless you. That is the nicest thing anybody said to me this week. <laughs> she said, Pitch Goes Up, so Repeat Changed Her Life. Lord Jesus. What did you it like did. about it? I'm curious. It was the personal stories that you had in the beginning of the book and how it related to everyday life. Mm. Because I hear, I hear all of about how to sell more, how to grow more. It never really resonated with me. Mm -hmm. Because no one put it in the format that you did. No. You talk about your parents being entrepreneurs. Yeah. Businesses and things kind of put me in a mindset. I am the only entrepreneur in my family. Yeah. So I had this burden where, okay, I have to be the forefront. My mom was an entrepreneur, but my mom worked all of my life. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of that battle. And when you put it in a perspective of relating it to family and relating it to your history yeah. kind of gave me that light. Like, okay, well, this is something that I've been hearing for years, but now I finally understand it. Yeah. And you know what's funny? I never paid it any attention until I sat down to write pitch, close up, sell, repeat. You know, I didn't realize that how far it went back. And then while I was in the midst of writing that book, I found out that my, on my mother's side, my great, great, great uh, grandfather migrated to this country from India and he uh, bought two barbershops in Pittsburgh, you know, and he was wow. an entrepreneur, you know what I'm saying? And he was, he was a fair-skinned man, so he, he could pass, you know. But the thing of it is, it was in my blood. And my wife always says, Dave, certain things are just in your blood, you know. And, you know, certain people get certain parts of your DNA. And for me, like, I've always been that person. I've never ever wanted to to work for somebody else i wanted to do things my way and not in the fact that i can't work with other people but in the way that i got a vision and it's so clear i could almost like you ever see something in your mind's eye so clear it looks like a 3d projection should just reach out and touch every day that's how i <laughs> like i can see it it's like just just beyond a break just around the corner just a little bit out of reach but I see it clearly. And then when you show somebody and you're showing them what's in your mind's eye and you realize that they're not in your mind and they can't see it, or you're telling them it's a golden apple and they're saying, well, no, I'm seeing a watermelon. See right there, right there. That's what, see, that's where we got to figure to communicate because no one's going to see your vision the way that you do. And so I got to be able to control my destiny, and I can't do that calling somebody else boss and asking permission and then thinking that they're going to understand my conditions so that I can get a 3% cost of living increase. No, 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 no. So, you know, for me, when I was writing that book to, to go back through my childhood and talk about what my mother did, my mother turned subway tokens into jewelry. You know, like just amazing stuff. My daddy had a sense enough to not only understand his audience but to make sure that he trapped the old people by getting the young people into the store by creating, um, you know, the opportunities for them to come and play arcade games because most kids couldn't afford a Nintendo. Like, you know, and when people say that to me, like now I understand and I have such appreciation for that book and I realize why that book has sold more than all of my other books combined. Mm 
Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a gym. It definitely is, and I've suggested it to everybody I know. I appreciate that. Thank you. I'm I'm, I'm honored. Entrepreneurs, I suggested it to my mom and everybody because my mom is a hard worker, and I feel like she could have had multiple businesses. Yeah, but yeah. because of her mindset. She has keep income coming in. I'm the oldest of seven moms, so wow, there's a lot of us. Yeah, <laughs> and she looks younger than me. So you know what? I can't. <laughs> she does. When everybody sees us out, they don't think that's my mom. They think like that's my sister or something. It's oh, so for her, but yeah, but I take it. Hey. It's fine. My mom's good. Amen. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Now, what three things? Do entrepreneurs get wrong that you see often? Okay, most entrepreneurs first get wrong. They think that everybody wants what they want. And if I based if I based everything off of what I wanted, I wouldn't be able to win. You know, I, I base things off of what makes sense for my audience. You know, I've got clients that do uh, retail clothing sales. I've never been in the retail clothing business, but I understand it enough to know what's going to work. And so I tailor, I tailor my coaching based on what their particular needs are, not by what I want to teach them. You know, because everybody, like, you know, I've got a client out in L.A. right now. She's got a mobile shop out in, uh, right on Rodeo. And she, you know, she's not... She'll never get up and speak in front of 18,000 people. She'll never do a room of 300. Like, she's not going to speak. That's not who she is. But you put some garments in front of her, you get her with a needle and thread and a sewing machine, you, you, you get her in a situation where she can look at somebody and, and, and uh, um, you know, design for their body type, you know, she's, she's the best in the world. You know, I can't make everybody into Dave Anderson clones, and I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs do that first. The second thing that most entrepreneurs get wrong is they think that they've mastered the game. And mm-hmm. entrepreneurship, technology, society, it is a living, breathing, growing organism. There was a movie when I was a kid, my father was obsessed with it. It was called The Blob. And every time The Blob consumed something, it grew bigger. And it started consuming other stuff. Mm-hmm. And so that's what the internet is. It's The Blob. You know? Um, we don't go backwards. So, you know, you got people, um, I remember once, and I won't say his name, but I remember once a mogul who is worth more, many more millions than I am, um, decided to buy um, a website that black people no longer use. And he was pitched to it um, by saying that there's so many active members. And I told him, I said, look, there's a guy on that, on that particular social media platform that shall remain nameless. You know, who, who's a model, he's an actor, he's a friend of mine, I went to college with him. Um, he's also on a couple of episodes of Young and the Restless, he's done CSI, so on and so forth. He was like, see, that's the kind of, bla- that's the kind of black people we want on this platform, and that's why I spent $30 million for it. I said, not so fast. He said, what? I said, the problem with that is his profile's active. He said, that's not the problem. I said, oh no, that is the problem, because he's been dead from a brain aneurysm on a basketball court since 2006. I said, so what they sold you was beefed up numbers. But because you don't understand that this is the blob and that the internet continues to move forward, you bought something that, that has grossly lost more value than a 2003 Volvo heading off the, uh, heading off the parking lot. Wow. It's completely depreciated. So when you think that you know all that there is to know and you don't respect the blob, the blob will consume you. It will consume your money. It will consume your credibility. It will consume your... Re- It will consume your reality. The third thing I feel most entrepreneurs get wrong is that they don't have a team. All of these entrepreneurs I see, when I say all of these, I'm using that term loosely. I don't want it to be taken as a monolith. But a gross majority of entrepreneurs are running around here like Captain Ahab thinking that they're a one-man show and they're going to kill the great white whale by themselves. You're not going to take out Moby Dick by yourself. You're going to need some help. And let me tell you something. If you're a great baker, nine times out of 10, you're a piss poor accountant. If you're a great accountant, nine times out of 10, you're a piss poor marketer. If you're a great marketer, nine times out of 10, you're a piss poor speaker. If you're a great speaker, nine times out of 10, you know, you're a piss poor organizer. 
You know, so you've got to understand it's not about, see, people do this thing where they say accentuate the positive and eliminate the negative. No, 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 no. Accentuate the positive and then hire for the things you're not good at. Like, I'm not good with, you know, taxes. I have no desire to, to, to know all that good stuff. I know enough to run my business, but I pay my accountant a very good amount of money to make sure that I'm protected. The IRS came after me one time saying that I didn't pay enough in taxes. I sent that to my accountant. The IRS sent me an apology letter and a check for $1,500 for their oversights. Wow. But you know what I had to do? I had to invest in a team first. People don't want to do that because they want to keep all the money to themselves like there's some kind of supervillain, you know, and that's just not how it works. Even, even supervillains got henchmen. They definitely do. You found some people <laughs> that can make it happen. And not people that you grew up with. Don't be Alan Iverson. Don't be the person <laughs> that just, you know, is doing it, trying to keep it real, kicking with the homies. Unless the homies are qualified. Look at LeBron's team. LeBron's team are people he grew up with, but they all had a purpose. One's a lawyer, one's an accountant, one's a manager. You know, so you, you got to look at who you have around you. And what they can do. And if they can't fulfill a legitimate purpose, you don't need them. Now, on top of that, if you're going to build your team, you got to hire, you got to hire slow and fire fast. Meaning you got to get somebody in place, figure out how they work, make sure they're going to do exactly what they are going to do. If they're not going to do what's necessary, you fire them. And you don't have an emotional thing about it. You got to be real about it. You got to be honest about it. You've got to find people who can do the job. It is a very, very clinical uh, set of moves that you have to make. It's just like a stripper. Strippers don't want to romantically be with those guys that come into that strip club, but they're always asking for a lap dance. Hey, daddy, want a lap dance? Hey, daddy, want a lap dance? Because number one, it's a numbers game. But number two, when they're when they're dancing the T Pain's, you know, I'm in love with a stripper, whatever they're dancing to in the champagne room, it's about the money, and it's only about the money. It is clinical. It's not personal. And you got you gotta be a lot more methodical and you got to be a lot more clinical in what it is that you do. And those are the three things, in my opinion, that entrepreneurs are getting wrong currently. That's okay, all right. Now, do you cook at all? I'm sorry, say again? Do you cook at all? Oh, absolutely. Have you seen it? <laughs> that doesn't mean you can cook. That just means you got a good woman that can cook a lot of the time. <laughs> no, I do have a good woman that can cook, but I, know I, 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 I can cook. Yes, indeed. What is your favorite meal to cook? Wow, what's my favorite meal to cook? That's a good question. I like, I'm a breakfast guy. Oh, know? wow. I'm a breakfast guy. I love, I love eggs. You know, I love stuff like that. But if I'm going to get fancy, you know, I make, I make a really mean filet mignon. I can, you know, my meats are spectacular. Like I can, I can barbecue with the best of them because I lived in places that specialize in barbecue. I lived in Memphis. I lived in Nashville. I lived in Austin. I lived in San Antonio, Houston. I lived in North and South Carolina. I lived in Florida. You know, I lived in Atlanta. Like, I, I lived in the South. And that's how I learned how to barbecue. I used to, you know, just go and, uh, you know, try and compete in barbecue competitions. My ribs are ridiculous. They fall off the bone. You know, I'm, oh, really, yes. big on, I'm really big on meats. You know, because anybody can do sides. You know, but <laughs> it takes a certain, no, it takes a certain level of patience, timing, skill you know to do meats especially smoked meats and then when you're talking about ribs you can do rubs you know you can do sauces i can make a barbecue sauce from scratch and make you smack your mother oh man you know so yeah i'm i'm i'm, I'm big i'm big in the kitchen well i'm big I'm everywhere but I'm, I'm 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 very good in the kitchen <laughs> oh my goodness there's nothing wrong with being big that just means more you to love that's all amen now, what is one piece of advice you would give to your younger? Don't worry about being a star. Worry about owning the radio station. I, wow. I wish I had spent, like, it, if I didn't spend 24 to 25 years in radio, I'd be a billionaire. If I knew then what I know now, I'd be a billionaire. See, what people don't understand is, even though I've been an entrepreneur my whole life, part-time, I've only been full-time for six years. So everything that, I've, uh, everything that I've amassed, I've amassed in the past six years. I'm sorry, this is 2018? Seven. It'll be seven years this year. 
And so oh, wow. I'm seven years in and I'm this dangerous. Now, imagine what would have happened if I started at nine. You know, instead of, you know, pursuing being a radio personality and traveling all over the country, you know, trying to be the next big radio star. If I had really focused on, on growth and development, if I had focused more on, um, you know, building my own instead of, you know, making millions upon millions of dollars for radio corporations that will discard you like a piece of trash. Um, you know, yeah, I'd be a billionaire. There's no doubt in my mind. So my advice to my younger self and my advice to young people is don't get caught up chasing fame. Chase your development. I spend mm. thousands of dollars a year, thousands, on coaching and development and books and things that are going to make me better. Do you, do, are you familiar with my 104 principle? I'm not. I have, um, it's on my list. That's all good. I'll tell you about it. So here's what it is. Um, most people on average read between 10 to 12 books a year. So that's an average of about one book a month. I read about anywhere between two to four books a week, which means that every decision I'm making is based on at least 104 uh, books, 104 pieces of knowledge because I'm reading on average about two books a week, 52 weeks in a year. So 52 times two is 104. So the 104 principle means that the more knowledge that you take in, the more educated your guesses are, the bigger your gut gets. And I don't mean my gut physically. I mean the gut in my brain, the thing that tells me, okay, I can go with this based upon that. You know, Warren Buffett reads six hours a day, you know, and he'll read everything from like, um, you know, Ford's 1960, you know, sales report. And the reason he'll read Ford's 1960 sales reports is because they were successful. So if they were successful then, he can find something in there to be there successful now. Then he went and bought Coca-Cola. Do you know what Warren Buffett did the first thing he did when he bought Coca-Cola? Sold it? No, not at all. He raised it. He raised the cost, the retail cost of Coca-Cola uh, to one, uh, one penny more. So one penny more. Now, Coca-Cola sells about one million eight ounce, uh, eight ounce servings of Coca Cola a day. So without doing any marketing strategies, without doing anything differently, Warren Buffett made hundreds of millions of dollars just by adding one penny to the cost of an eight ounce serving of Coca Cola. Ain't nobody gonna trip over a penny, but pennies compounding. You're dealing with a million pennies a day. Do the math. And it definitely adds right, on top of what he was already going to make because Coke was already profitable before he got it. But that's what you do. But you know, a lot of times people don't want to play the long game. People don't see that. They're like, "Why would you buy Coke? Why do you eat? Why do you eat McDonald's every day?" He's Warren Buffett. He's old. He's in great shape. And guess what? He owns Coke. You don't. <laughs> now, who are your three inspirations? Wow. <laughs> uh, personally, it would be my wife and my two kids professionally wow I'm inspired by so much though like I'm inspired by I'm inspired by the Dalai Lama uh, I'm inspired by Jesus I'm inspired by who is my I would say my all time favorite like business person I'm inspired by Tony Robbins you know like because I've worked with Les Brown like I've never worked with Tony like, I've worked with Les Brown. Les Brown's wonderful. You know, he's probably why I am the speaker that I am today. But I'm inspired by Tony Robbins, not because of what he says, not because of what he writes, but because he did one thing. And that one thing changed the course of every human being um, in, in, in any modern part of the world. Do you know what it is? No. Tony, uh, Tony, Tony Robbins went and um, had these informational products developed, Right. And when I was a little kid, I don't know how old you are, and I'm not going to ask a lady her age, but when I was a kid, TV went off. Between midnight and 2 a.m., it went off. And so from, from, from that time until 6 a.m., it was either white noise and that snow on your TV, or you got the color block bars. So that's what it was. So Tony Robbins got himself a phone book and started calling, uh, calling TV stations, seeing if he could buy up that time to sell his products. 
and he got himself an 800 number and some people standing by and he started selling those products. And then what wound up happening was Tony Robbins became a household name. Now, what's interesting about that is that it will never happen again because TV is 24-7. So that window of opportunity is closed, but he saw enough to, 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 to innovate. He saw something just beyond the break, something that nobody else could see. Something that was right in front of everybody else's faces. Every other entrepreneur's face was right in front of them. Because we all know the last thing that used to be played before TV went out was the national anthem. And they'd have a picture of the flag waving in the background. And then it was, and then it was just dead air. There was nothing on. And Tony Robbins saw an opportunity and he took it. And he continued to evolve. And he continued to work on influence. And now he's so big that you show up, pay $1,500 for a VIP seat at Unleash the Power Within, and he's telling you you can walk on hot coals. And people do it. (laughs) And they say, thank you, Tony Robbins, for making me burn my feet. Thank you. That, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen, is influence. That is inspiring. I'm always looking for that angle that nobody else sees. I'm always looking for a way to influence people so much that they'll walk on hot coals because I told them they could. Yeah, that is amazing. You know, so yeah, His Holiness, the Dalai Lama, Jesus Christ, Tony Robbins are my three big business influences. Now, what tips would you give someone who wants to grow their business? Tip number one, get a coach. That is tip number one. You need coaching. If you need to grow your business and you can't figure out how to do it on your own, you need a coach. It's it's. I know it's not what you want to hear because that means you have to invest in yourself. But yeah, you gotta you gotta get a coach. Um, the second tip I would tell people is you need a, a, you need a war council. You need people who aren't in competition with you, who actually care about you, who can you know, give you advice and point you in a direction. I have a war council. You know, and those people, you know, um, let me give you who's on my war council. These are people that I know personally. These are people that I sit down with. These are people that I I call for advice. Um, In my war council, Charlemagne. Okay. Um, (laughs) Because Charlemagne and I have a shared experience. It's kind of like you know, he went to the Wendy Williams School of Technology after I was in the first graduating class. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Got it. So we have a shared experience. So he knows how I am and I know how he is because we've shared something that most people never will. So if I'm doing something that might be a little off kilter, he can tell me because I know that he knows exactly where I'm coming from because we have a shared experience. Um, Gary Vaynerchuk is on my war council. It's important to have somebody on your war council who has been where you're going. Even great coaches need coaches. And so I'm like, yo, Gary, I need to know about this, that, and the third. Because playing at the level that I play on, I can't go to my friends who I used to go to school with. They ain't going to get it. They're not going to understand. I definitely get that. You know, so I need somebody who who is worth $500 million to tell me, yeah, you know, come, you know, come through to the office. We'll sit down for 20, 30 minutes and then we'll go over. This is how you get Anheuser Bush to give you $5 million for black boys. When, you know, so I need that. Um, my wife, my wife is on my war council because she knows me more, you know, more thoroughly than any other human being on the planet other than the woman who birthed me. But even the woman who birthed me, my mother, who I love dearly, does not know me as a man. She knows me as her son. And no matter what I do, I'll always be her baby boy. So there's a certain level of bias that my mother has that my wife does not. You see what I'm saying? So my wife can say to me, Dave, shut up. You're doing too much. Dave, let that person go because that person don't mean you no no good. You know, you need that. Um, There's a guy, um, one of my best friends, um, who I went to college with. His name is Derek Logan. Derek Logan's on my war council. Derek is a legal, he's just a great legal mind and he's from Harlem. So he understands, you know, what it means to come up in the streets and then win and, and you know, win in a corporate environment and make things happen, closing deals, shit like that. You know, so I've trusted him since I was 17 years old, you know, like our, you know, our kids know each other, you know what I'm saying? Like you, you need somebody that's going to keep you grounded. And then my, my brother, JT, who lives in Dallas with his wife and my niece, my brother, JT, he's an, he's an artist. You know, he's painted everybody from Erica Badu to Muhammad Ali to um, Richard Pryor. Like, this dude is dope. Like, he's painted the Obamas. Like, he is that work. 
You know, um, not only is he a creative mind, but he has an excellent judge of character. And you need those things in order to be a well-rounded entrepreneur. So you definitely need a war council. You need a coach. You need a war council. And the most important thing, you ain't going to like this, but you're going to need a budget. If you're in business thinking that you're just going to make enough to get by, get out of business, go work for somebody. Congratulations. Cubicle is what you need to be. But you got to be willing to invest in yourself. Here's what most entrepreneurs miss. If you're not investing in yourself, like say you invest in yourself and it doesn't work out. Say you get a coach and it really sucks, right? Then what winds up happening is you may lose money, but guess what? You write it off and the government gives it back to you. Take care, comb your hair. You know, so... Those are the things that I would recommend. I recommend a coach, a war council, and a budget. It ain't got to be crazy, but you got to invest in yourself. And you got to be willing to to market your business. And you got to be where the people are. This is one other thing I want to say that, because this is really important. I need you to hear what I'm about to say to you, because your initial reaction to what I'm going to say to you is going to be, I can't believe that. I'm here for it. I don't like social media. Wow. See, I told you you wouldn't believe me. I expect that. that I don't like it. Let me explain something to you. When I was a kid, nobody understood me. I was the weird kid who would read comic books under a tree and not want to, want, want to get my clothes dirty. When I became a young man, I was the one who said I was going to be on TV and on the radio, and all my friends from the hood and the projects, they laughed at me. I'm not here to put on a show for people who never saw it for me in the first place. If it wasn't where the people were, I wouldn't be there. I need to be there for my business. If somebody else could vocalize and verbalize what I have in my heart and what my visions and my plans are in order to market my situation, I'd let them have at it. But unfortunately, I'm the secret sauce. I'm that magic. Walt Disney is long since dead, and he's still the magic behind the Magic Kingdom. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? So I have to be where the attention is. I have to be where the eyes and ears are. But for me personally, I could care less. What's on there? A bunch of fights, a bunch of videos, people talking about World Star, a bunch of people twerking, uh, grainy video footage of Cardi B and Nicki Minaj fighting each other. There's nothing really on there worth talking about other than the fact that there's attention there and that's where I'm going to be. But yeah, if, if I could run my business without it, I sure enough would. But unfortunately, I wasn't a businessman in 1986. So I got to go where the money is. And that's what audience is. So I go where the people are, whether I like it or not. My personal likes do not get in the way of me making money. And that is definitely a key to a lot of people. Yeah, because people say, I don't really get Instagram. I don't get Snapchat. I don't care if you get it or not. I wrote a book about Snapchat. My 19-year-old, if she wasn't getting ready, I'd I'd bring her in here. I went to my 19-year-old and spent like five and a half hours with her, like, show me the Snapchat thing. And I sat there in her room on the edge of her bed and she's showing me all this stuff. These are the filters. This is what this means. This is, you know, this is geo this. And, you know, these are your users. These are the stories that you swipe up to do this, this, and the third. And I said, okay, cool. And I go back to it. And then I sat up there and I wrote a Snapchat book for entrepreneurs because I know you're not going to bother with it. You see what I'm saying? I wrote a book about. I'm sorry, go ahead. That's the one app I didn't. That's the one app I have not ventured into i'm trying to see how that equates to my business and what is your business i'm a caterer and an author so okay so you're you're trying to tell me that people don't eat and people don't read who you snapchat i didn't say that but i'm saying how it works for me how i can reach people via snapchat well first step step, here's here's the major key here's the first one here's the first one that's going to help you explode your business on snapchat Show up on Snapchat. <laughs> if you okay. if you're a ca- if you have a catering business, then you have to be able to show people your food. Rachel Ray ain't nobody's ain't nobody's chef. Rachel Ray didn't go to court on Blue. My uncle Player did. My uncle Player's dead. Rachel Ray's making thirty million dollars a month. I actually love Rachel Ray, but <laughs> you, you get what I'm saying though. My point is, <laughs> she shows people. You have to show people what you have. If people don't know what they have, then they're not going to know what to buy. And just because it's not something you would do or something that's not your cup of tea, it's not about you. 
It's about them, and they're there, and they're hungry, and guess what? Some of them actually read books. And if Cosmopolitan can figure it out, if People Magazine can figure it out, if the Huffington Post got a Snapchat page, what makes you think you're better than that? Not you specifically, but you get my point. But that's how it is. You're not trying to make it work for you. You're trying to reconcile in your brain. If I don't use it, how do they? That makes more sense. I told you your feelings. Don't don't feel about it. Be about it. I'm gonna work on that. Yeah, I'll send you send me an email. I'll send you a copy of my Snapchat book. Zakia McCoy at yahoo.com. Okay, I will send it to you as soon as I get off the phone. That's the one app that I have not utilized. I have an Instagram, I have a Facebook, I have every other social media platform you could think of. Mm -hmm. And how do you feel you're maximizing on the other platforms? Instagram is great. Okay. And I was a little hesitant on getting on Instagram because it's like I didn't feel like I had something to share. Mm every moment of every day. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know what? I don't spend a lot of time posting on Instagram. I spend a lot of time engaging on Instagram. And once I gave in to the fact that I was going to have to engage on Instagram, I'm, I'm killing it. I'm, I'm almost at 20,000. Let's see. That's why I'm trying to get my numbers up on Instagram. But you got to get into the conversation, things. though. You got to get into the conversation. You know, if you're talking about catering or, or you know, um, you know, ha- like hashtag catering, hashtag, you know, good eats, you know, hashtag Insta good. Get, you know, look at those, let's look at those hashtags. Instagram's even made it easier now where you can just follow the hashtag. Just go in and start getting in those comments, start chopping it up. Be a part of the conversation. How many times are you going live on Instagram and Facebook simultaneously? Um, I have not gone live on Instagram yet. I'm working on uh, a segment that I can do on Instagram. Yeah, I'm just talking about regular because Instagram, I, not IGTV. IGTV, you can pay somebody to edit some stuff together and, and chop that up and get that there, which is a phenomenal tool. But I'm saying on a consistent basis, you got to be in front of the folks. You you just got to. Gosh. Now, I'm taking all of this, all of these free tips into consideration because I'm definitely going to utilize all of it. I appreciate it. Now, how can the people get in contact with you? What's your handles and Usernames and all of that stuff. Okay, um, on uh, on Snapchat and Twitter, it's D A as in Dave Anderson, Business Bully. Um, on everything else, is the Business Bully, just like it sounds. T H E Business Bully. You know, so that's the easiest thing. If you want to um, see where my next appearances are, you want to get some free stuff from me. You want to text two words, Business Bully, two words, to three one nine nine six. Standard text message and data rates apply. Um, but yeah, you can definitely always find me. My website's businessbullyshow.com. And if you want to send an email, um, David businessbullyshow.com. And of course, my podcast is absolutely everywhere you listen to podcasts. Tune in, Spotify, iHeart, Apple, Google Play, SoundCloud, everywhere. I actually I actually listen to your podcast as well. I'm so sorry for wasting so much of your time. No, it's definitely not a waste of time. I promise you, I get a lot of, a lot of inspiration. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. One of my top also. Oh man, for real? Yeah. Yes, indeed. I appreciate that. That that's an honor. And I appreciate you for taking this interview. I know you got a lot going on. You know. And this. Here's the thing, though, right? There was a time I remember. You know being homeless in my truck and didn't nobody want to hear from me. Didn't care about my time or, you know, what I had to say or what I thought of. And so the fact that, you know, anybody wants to speak to me, anybody listens to me, you know, all that kind of stuff. People buy my books, come to my, come to my workshops, watch me speak, subscribe to my YouTube channel, any of that stuff. It's an honor because it wasn't so long ago where nobody gave a rat's ass about me. Mm. Again, I'm only six years in. Going on seven. You know. So. Uh, I'm excited. I was nervous. About what? Uh, I, I don't know. I have uh, anxiety when it comes to asking men in business. 
or things. What do you mean? <laughs> okay. Like, I find it very easy to approach women to ask them for interviews or things like that. But my husband and my optimism would not let me be a part I was like, I don't ask because I really admire you and I really wanted this interview. So I swallowed all of that and I just went for it. Wow, um, I'm sorry. Yeah, I didn't like. I just, you know, that 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 honors me. But I'm here to tell you, it's it's never that. Like for me, it's never that deep. Like I'm just a guy. I'm just a guy who wants to help people, you know. And that's all I want to do. All I want to do is help people. And I. And this has been amazing. I want to thank you, and I want you to have a positive, great rest of your day. Oh, thank you so much. I'm gonna do my best. I don't know how much I'm gonna succeed, but I'm gonna try. All right. <laughs>